Welcome to Health Tech Hustle. We exist to share stories of the brave entrepreneurs helping to solve the most important problems in digital health today. We interview top leaders in health tech and bring them onto our show each week to listen and learn from their story. With your host, Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Health Tech Hustle podcast. Today I'm joined by a special guest, Dr. Ishmael Saeed. He is a pediatrician, physician entrepreneur, two-time Amazon author, and the health startup founder of Vios. So I'm excited to have him on as a guest on the podcast and learn more about his journey as an entrepreneur into health tech. And so with that being said, Dr. Ishmael, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rodney, how you doing? Thanks for bringing me on board. I, I love the part-ranking value to a global audience. You know, all the way from Bangladesh, I just want to say hi. Hope you're well, hope you're safe, and of course, staying inside. So yeah, thanks for bringing me on board, man. I'm, I, I love this. Awesome, no problem. So let's just jump right into it. Why don't you give people, the listeners, a little bit of background of who you are and actually how you got into health tech. All right, cool, thanks. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Well, uh, Rodney, as, uh, as I briefly mentioned when we first spoke, uh, I actually used to be a cl clinician. Like I used to be a practicing doctor back in the East. I finished med school. And uh, well, why I go to med school? That's the main question. Basically, both my parents were doctors. So it's sort of like a cultural thing, you know, like an East Asian thing. Like, you know, like if I'm a doctor, my son has to be a doctor. So there you go. So it wasn't bad. I kind of liked it. I, th I thought healthcare is really interesting. The health system it's like a really um, valuable concept for the humanity. Then after I became a doctor, then I had to do some internship in various countries. I have experience in the Emirates, where I graduated from. Then I was in Yemen, in Egypt, and India as well. So it's like really important, I mean, how doctors are so intertwined with people's lives and the community. Mm -hmm. Then I was uh, trying to do some residency, you know, I'm thinking... You know, just being a general doctor is not enough. I got, I got to specialize, you know, because that's what everyone does. So I thought, why not become a pediatrician like my father? So I went to residency in the UAE, United Arab Emirates, uh, you know, Dubai and everything. So I was a resident pediatrician there. I was in charge of the NICU, the outpatient. I love kids, so it was not a big transition for me. Then, uh, yeah, and then afterwards, I'm like thinking, I need more. You know, I have a lot of demands in my life. You know, I thought, no, I, I've done the residency thing. I want something more. I want an American degree. I want the American dream or something like that. So I, I finished the U.S. assemblies in a couple of years. I went to America all over the place. I did a couple of matchings. While I was trying to wait for the match and the SOAP, whatever it's called, I was working in Chicago in the Norwegian American hospital there. It's a really nice hospital and everything. But I didn't see myself progressing high enough. You know, like I'm a man with a lot of alpha male characteristics. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I want things done to be quickly done. Mm -hmm. But in the massive behemoth of the American health system, I'm just a little guy. Not even a little guy, just a tiny statistic. You know, okay. the IMGs, international medical graduates, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I face a lot of obstacles. And I'm thinking, this is not cost effective. I want something that I can give some value and create an impact to the community, any community. So I thought, you know what, uh, the American medical dream is not for me. It's not working out. So after a lot of trial and error, I, uh, I got a scholarship for a master's degree. Actually, two master's degrees. <laughs> that was in the uh, in UK, United Kingdom. It's called Queen Mary University. This master's degree was about global health, sort of like an MPH degree. 
Okay. And on the side, I also did an online course, another master's course for University of Sydney. So yeah, I'm mean, like, you know, my mind is like all over the place, you know, like I got Constantly two degrees, learning. I got this. Yeah, I'm like thinking, yeah, that's it. Now I'm the man. For whatever reason, I had to go back to my country. I'm, I'm from Bangladesh, actually. So I went back to Bangladesh. I'm thinking, okay, I got my degrees. I got my foreign persona and charisma. I'm sure I'll, I'll rise above the ranks. That wasn't so. Even with all that, uh, what do you call All those degrees stacked up, all that experience and all that stuff. I experienced the same obstacles, you know, bureaucracy and inefficiency. And of course, the economic system, you know, it's like so hyper-capitalistic here. Everything's to do with money. And I mean, I, I can't, how can I put it? You're torn between two worlds, you know, you have to make money, take care of yourself. And on the other hand, you cannot jeopardize the life of a newborn, of a child. So I'm, I'm, I'm stuck at crossroads, you know, like I was in the private sector, then the public sector, and I was even in a nonprofit, uh, which is okay, but you know, it's kind of unstable. Like you get a project, you get a lot of money, and then you're broke. Then a lot of money, then you're broke. Gotcha. So I'm thinking, how can I express my value to community? and make a sustainable income, you know, and create an impact. So that's where I come, came upon physician entrepreneurship or healthcare entrepreneurship, you know, entirely by accident. I thought, okay, if I go to the private sector, I can be my own boss. I can create some kind of solution, market it, and make a ton of money, or so the theory was. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as you know, Rodney, very well, entrepreneurship is not a straight line. There are lots of cracks. There's a lot of downhills. I messed up six times. I've had six companies and they all they were all beautiful failure. That's what I want to say. You know, it's like a beautiful chaos. I'm from far away, it's like a train wreck. You're like, wow, man, that is nasty. But then once once you faced it, you know, trying to create something and then falls apart, you're like, um, is this for me? But the truth is, yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is how I stuck with entrepreneurship. I realized all I had to do was gather the right skills and resources and implement it the right way. Mm, okay. So in short, that's why I'm stuck in this way. That's why a doctor became an entrepreneur. Nice. So you started as a doctor, as an employee, just working in the field, but mm -hmm. you wanted more, right? You were more ambitious than what the market that's had right. to offer for you. And so you, you weren't set on being content with the current market conditions. And as a doctor, as someone in the field, you started identifying problems and not seeing solutions to those problems, which ultimately mm -hmm. is what tipped you over into taking that leap, taking that risk of being an entrepreneur. And so can you kind of speak on what you saw in the healthcare or the health tech industry from the doctor's point of view that made you want to become the entrepreneur and create BIOS and start doing what you're doing in the market? Well, I'll, I'll break down the answer in two parts. Uh, so for the first question, why should the healthcare industry have entrepreneurship? Well, basically, the health system is, is in tatters. It's, it's in shambles. The coronavirus epidemic showed us all the faults, you know, in terms of the quality, the value, the access, the supply chain, and even the benefit to the end user, you know. So I thought the health system needs to be disrupted. I mean, there has to be technological innovation and technological integration with the way doctors and nurses and other providers give their health care. So I realized there's a lot of technological illiteracy amongst providers and administrators. I realized that, you know, because our culture goes back to hundreds of years, you know, modern medicine and stuff like that. So I figured they're naturally anti-disruptive. So I thought the best way to change a system 
is from somebody from within. A doctor can have the right authority to tell people, I have a better way. So I thought, okay, that's, that's what I have to do. I have to disrupt the healthcare system. The reason why I chose health tech or technology-enabled health solutions, basically I realized that, and from a Bangladesh point of view, I'm sure in America, so, you, know, you guys are like 30 years ahead of us. Basically, the middle class was rising really fast. Okay? So the thing with the middle class consumer behavior is like everybody has smartphones, you know, Android devices and iPhones. Everybody wants on-demand services, you know, food delivery, ride sharing. So why not healthcare? Why not on-demand health services at the click of a button? So I combined healthcare disruptive concepts using technology as a tool, you know, to bridge the gap between patients and doctors. Mm. And uh, I figured this is the best way for, uh, you know, solving the inefficiency in communication between the way doctors provide their input and the way patients absorb healthcare information. Nice. So essentially you created, you said on demand for doctors. So it's almost like a ride sharing app, like Uber or something like that. In a way, yeah. Nice. Exactly what value does Vios bring to the market and why would doctors and providers actually jump on this platform compared to what they're already doing? Well, the basic thing is in entrepreneurship, there are usually two uh, schools of thought. Either you solve a pain or you provide a gain. The pain of the medical field is basically doctors don't know how to promote themselves in real time and on time, basically. For example, a doctor has all these skills. He's sitting in his private practice, or in Dhaka, we call it the private chamber. And there's no way to tell people like, look, I'm Dr. Saeed, I'm skilled in this and this, and I'm sitting here right now. This is my address. On the other hand, there are people who are really sick and they're in, they're in need of a healthcare consultation of somebody with that skill set. So yes, rider and driver. So they're completely separated in time and space. So I thought I'll create some kind of system where a doctor who's actually on duty, on, on time, and inside his chamber can tell the people, hi, I'm your doctor for today. How can I help you? And on the other side, patients will be like, yes, my child is sick. I need a child specialist. All right, my wife is uh, eight months pregnant. She has this issue. I need a gynecologist. So there's transparency and optimization of healthcare. I mean, if you can break it down like that. Okay. I think that's the main thing. Awesome. And so how long it, did it take from the conceptualization of the thought of creating this app and creating mm-hmm. this platform to actually going about creating it? And can you kind of walk us through that process? Well, it wasn't... Okay. <laughs> there, there are two answers. First, the, the easy answer, and then there's a the really weird answer. The easy answer is, okay, I've had more than seven years experience as a doctor and three years in uh, postgraduate care and all that stuff. So I kind of felt the, the, the pain. You know, I, I, I lived with it. I know the issues in the private sector and the public sector. I know how patients feel about miscommunication. That's the easy answer. So I thought, yeah, I know the pain. Of course, the solution should come to me. But the real answer was I went on an entrepreneur journey. I went on a growth mindset trip. Basically, I trained myself to open my third eye in a way, to empathize with the patients, empathize with the stakeholders. And then I realized that aha moment, that eureka moment. Like, hey, same thing. People love mobile phones. They have apps. They need healthcare. They need on-demand services. They need some way to trust who they're talking to. 
why not just combine that into a simple, you know, block of plastic and metal with a glass screen, something <laughs> you touch with your finger, you call, you interact, you go, you give some kind of feedback, and there, there you have it. So, so it was sort of an aha moment, but just to reach that part, it took me like 10 years, literally. Oh. 10 years of being a doctor and millions of dollars in, you know, graduate degrees and so on. Nice. It's not for everyone. Kept, the idea kept just churning in your head until... It, it was ruminating for like months and years. But then when that yeah. aha moment came, I would say it took about a couple of months for the entire technological process. But the design thing, I started immediately on that day. Mm. Like as soon as I woke up in the morning, I'm like, okay, I jotted down a piece of paper. I did this wireframe thing. Like you take a piece of paper and you write down the user journey. Mm -hmm. like if you click this, where would it go? Mm -hmm. What's the outcome? You know, the algorithms and everything. That's and basically all called design thinking. Okay, nice. So, so pretty yeah, much you had the whole, like I said, the wheels turning in your head. But as soon as you had that aha moment, what's key that you did is you took action. And those small took little action. action just compounded over time. And now you have a platform and now you have a company that is of value to the market. And so I, I kind of want to so. talk about your strategy when it comes to Vios and how did you go about bringing that to the market and bringing awareness around this platform? So I figured the most important thing right now is not the product, okay? The most important thing is who's going to build it, who's going to market it, who's going to sell it, and who else will work with me. Because entrepreneurship is a lonely journey by itself, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be. So I figured let me spend at least a couple of months on team building, you know, like looking deep into my own social circles, meeting people at startup events, who can come with me, not be led by me, but to, you know, go on the journey with me. Mm. So I figured team building for a couple of months, that's really important. Then I found my CTO. So we stuck together, we talked a lot. Uh, he also has an entrepreneurial mindset, which was a big win for me. And probably another important thing is I got myself a mentor. You know, I made all these mistakes in the past years because I was repeating the same, you know, narrative, me, me, me. But my mentor told me, it's not about you. You got to think of your stakeholders. So I thought of the user journey, the user experience. I taught myself a little bit of coding. I taught myself about brand strategy, about providing value to the people first, and then, you know, charge them for it, that sort of thing. Ah, okay, okay. And so you mentioned team and bringing in all these different people, but how do you go about finding them? Is it just people that you're already in your network or are you going out and posting jobs or how are you connecting with these <laughs> like-minded individuals? It's good you mentioned about the posting jobs part. Of course, I, it, since it was a tech idea, I needed a tech founder, co-founder, right? So I had this light bulb moment like, hey, why not I post a job on Fiverr.com or one of our local you know, online job sections or whatever, and just take an interview. Like, hey, I got this app idea. What do you guys think? That sort of thing. So 10, 12 people came by and they all had the same questions like, oh, what if the button was this big? What if it was red colored? You wanted an iOS or Android? Or, you know, that kind of thing, right? But this one guy, the first question he asked, what's the business model? Mm. Then I realized he is going to be my tech co-founder. So we had a long talk. We uh, negotiated the price. And then I'm like, listen, Rifat, his name is Rifat. I can't pay that much. Uh, this is going to be bootstrapped. We're going to suffer big time. But I want you to be part of this journey with me. So we had a really heavy Chinese dinner. You know, like fill him up completely so he won't say no. And we talked about money. We talked about the future of healthcare. 
I gave him some shares and that's it. It was a gentleman's handshake. And there you go. The other guys, I found uh, I found one guy who was in my social circle for a long time. It was kind of easy to you know motivate him. The other two, uh, they're actually doctors as well. They're younger than me. I mean, they're fresh out of university, but they have that entrepreneurial gist. You know, they want to do something impactful for the health system, you know, especially in healthcare technology. So I met them at a various startup events, uh, even a medical event as well. And then I brought them in because people need, they don't like bosses. People don't like, don't like startup bosses. They want leadership. So I believe while I was on my journey, I was also evolving as sort of their guidance counselor, sort of their leader, sort of their big brother. I mean, the CEO role, of course, is there. But I think if you want to be really impactful to your own team, you got to be more than family to them. I believe that's what I've been doing. Awesome. So not just being the founder and the visionary, but the actual leader who comes up with the ideas and gives people the direction like, hey, we got to go that way. Execute. And mm-hmm. finding people to help complement you on that journey to help get you in that direction. And so- Amen to that. Awesome. So when you're telling the story about how you went and found your developer, like one thing that really stuck out to me is that like when you're finding a developer, they get really into the micro on all the mm. very, they're very meta. But very techie, yeah. When you go about finding someone for your team, you want to find somebody who really connects with you on the macro scale, who really understands the long term, right. um, the business model, and what value that they really bring to your company. So that's that was an interesting point that you made. If I just interject a little bit, my mentor taught me three things. You know, I mean many things, but he taught me about the three M's of business: mindset, marketing, monetization. You got to have these three to make an impact. Awesome. And so as an entrepreneur, you're familiar with the healthcare side and Mm -hmm. you realize that's your strength, but then your weakness was obviously the tech side. And so you had to go find somebody on the technology side to partner up with. Now, did one of you guys have more business experience than the other, or is business a category that you had to go out and search for as well? Well, the thing is, uh, my CTO, he's also a bit of a serial entrepreneur. He's had various different ventures, you know, in events management. He had a, I think he has a leather factory somewhere. I mean, he's, on, he's in various fields. Actually, he's more entrepreneur than I am. <laughs> you know, he started at a really young age. Has a, he has his own IT firm. So he has various successes and failures of different industries. And I came from various industries as well. So it's all about complementary skills and complementary experiences. because. That's what you need, actually. I mean, it's not like, okay, I'm more experienced than you are. It's not like that. It's like, I can bring this to the table. Let's discuss. Awesome. So how many people do you actually have on your team right now? Five of us. Five? Okay, nice. Me, my CTO, two doctors, and a sales guy. Awesome, awesome. And so kind of talked about your strategy of how you went about conceptualizing the idea, bringing it to market, putting the right team together. Are there any tools that you leverage to help with your marketing or sales and just getting your image out there online or just what sort of tools are you using? Well, Rodney, I got to tell you something. I mean, this is more valid now than ever before. The future is not digital. Everything has to have a digital footprint. Everything is about social media presence, you know, online presence. Everything is about using what you have in your hand on your mobile phone. So I realized that in order to sell something, I have to give the people reason why am I selling and why you should buy from me. 
So I spent about seven to eight months only on a branding strategy, maturing the population, you know, creating an early user database, you know, like the early adopters, basically. I created such a strong demand even before there was a product. But that itself was a branding journey. You know, I started giving out vlogs, regular vlogs on my Facebook and YouTube channels. I wrote out LinkedIn articles. Oh, by the way, I even wrote out a book. I got to give you a copy. Oh, yeah. Send yeah, it over. I wrote my own <laughs> book. Yeah, I will. I will. I'll send it to your, uh, your viewers and readers as well. I'll send them the link. Awesome. So that's what it is. It's all about providing value before you start any strategy. Okay. You know what I mean? Because there has to be a way that people have to trust you. I mean, they're going to ask questions like, why is the doctor doing business? It's going to be a huge question mark, you know? <laughs> why is a Bangladeshi doctor creating this type of business? And is it only for Bangladesh or for other countries? You know, that sort of questions. The best thing is, answer those questions on day one. Who are you? What are you? Why are you doing it? And what kind of impact do you aim for? Awesome. Man, that's a good thing to think about. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. you have this strategy. You spent months on trying to brand your company, your image, and getting that out to the market. But what sort of content were you creating and how were you able to communicate with your target audience? And who are the people that you wanted to reach? Well, of course, like I said, everything was on digital except for my book. And the book is online and offline. I created vlog content to teach people about certain things like uh, healthcare tips. I taught doctors how to attain financial freedom, how to have greater career autonomy. And I gave out tips on how the private sector can partner with the public sector to create meaningful impact. Then I created articles on why the health system needs to be upgraded. Why should the government spend at least another 1% just to increase the healthcare capacity? I mean, I had a lot of knowledge from, you know, for, from my university degrees. I thought, hey, why not just monetize those? Why not just create a kind of content that's easily digestible for everyone? So like I said, blogs, articles, videos, webinars, these are the best strategies, and they're the most cost-effective branding strategies. And like I said, Facebook marketing, LinkedIn marketing, Instagram, whatever. I mean, these are some really important skills that people should know, especially founders. Nice. So when you're focusing I, on your branding and content creation, such as blogs, vlogs, and webinars, for example, you're not focusing on trying to sell to your audience as much mm -hmm. as you are trying to educate them. That's correct. That's correct. Because people are overwhelmed with sales ads. You know, they're overwhelmed like, hey, buy this now, discount, $3.99, $1 for two, that sort of thing. That gets too overwhelming. I mean, we're, all, we're already overstimulated. Mm -hmm. To really stand out, you know, with value, to really create a niche, you got to be different. You have to, don't be such a hard seller. Mm -hmm. You know, this is all part of the sales funnel. You know, like you create some kind of content which appeals to many. Then you twist your content, which will appeal to a smaller demographic and an even smaller demographic. And just towards the end of the funnel, that's where you have the call to action. Download my app, get my ebook, complete this subscription. Because by then, by that user journey, people start building trust in you. You, know, you, you have to know your stakeholders. You got to know your user like the back of your hand. It's called the customer profile. Awesome. So really, it's just having a very strong inbound strategy understanding who mm -hmm. your dream partner is and what sort of content they consume, where do they consume it, and then just go out and start creating content in that Absolutely. ecosystem and providing that value because 
when they do research the topics that are related to that industry or related to your company, then they see articles and they see content that you've put out. And so now you're always top of mind. And so when, as you're nurturing them throughout the buyer's journey from awareness to consideration, and then once they're ready to make that decision, they feel more comfortable with you because you've built up that like and that trust factor with them. Absolutely, Rodney. You said it better than I did. That's, awesome. that's the juice of it. <laughs> and so it sounds like you've done a lot of work putting in all this strategy, putting in the time and effort to build strong, meaningful relationships to bring people on and build a team. And now you actually have your platform. It's out to the market and you're growing it and things are going well. But as entrepreneurs, we both know it's not always that easy. So can you kind of speak to some obstacles and challenges that you faced along the way in this entrepreneurship journey and how you're able to overcome them? Well, the major obstacle was my own uh, business illiteracy. Actually, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't grow up in a business background. Like I said, both my parents were doctors. So we all had like the monthly salary. We had a really good income. We had the typical middle-class upbringing, you know. Money was guaranteed. It was not a lot, but there was money on the table. Uh, sorry, in the bank. So I had to change my concept. I have to be more cost-effective. I need to see the value of a dollar for mm -hmm. what it is. So, of course, being a serial entrepreneur, that's the hard way. Because I, I don't have an MBA, you know. Mm -hmm. But I figured the best way to get an MBA is to start and fail a startup as quickly as you can. <laughs> I'll teach you rule like just like that. And of course, you know, I didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Then I didn't know about strategy that well. It's all about experimentation. You know, you got to have a lot of courage. So I figured, you know what? Now I do have a lot of courage. I know about customer communication. I know about how, how to create that sales funnel or the value chain. Another issue which I did have in the beginning was, you know, team coherence. Like people are different. You know, they all have their own value system or their own beliefs. People have their own interpretation of the founder's vision. So it's, it's a long process. I'm not saying I did the right thing or it's perfect, but I'm just saying I'm more patient with myself and the way I deal with people, especially my own team members. I believe they're on a journey, I'm on a journey. And I'm just trying to make sure that we are on parallel paths. Mm, okay. And so one thing I want to ask you is, as a doctor, you're always learning, right? You're always trying to get better. But then as that you make that transition into an employee, you're stepping into a lot of unknown territory, whether it's the technology side, the business side, or just mm -hmm. how can you communicate better within healthcare. And what I want to ask you is how, in that studying process, how do you know when you should be learning and studying something versus when you should actually start implementing it? Well, there's an easy answer, but there is an easy principle. It's called the Pareto principle. I'm sure you know very well. 80-20 rule. Mm. I believe you should spend 20% of your waking life on planning, strategizing, innovating, inventing, trying to validate your idea. And the remaining 80% of your day or your life, just execute. Just put it out there. Because the best judge of character or the best judge of your ideas caliber is the market. Mm. What does the market think of your idea? How much are they willing to pay? That's how you know you're on the right track. It's, it's about overthinking. Many people, they're obsessed, like, oh my God, what will people think? What should be the color? How should I package it? When you're obsessed with overthinking, you don't act, and it just ruminates in your brain, and you just, uh, you get old and fat, <laughs> really. And you just have a life of regret, like, dang, why didn't I do it? Why didn't I do it sooner? 
Because the entrepreneur journey is on a small window and it gets smaller and smaller per, sec- per second. So you really just have just to act on it. Just, just go act. for it. Take action, fail faster, take any opportunity that comes with your way and just accept the mm-hmm. feedback, whether it's good or bad. Um, whatever like this podcast. I don't know you. You don't know me. <laughs> but I'm glad to be here because I believe both of us are trying to create value to people we've never met. But we know deep in our hearts that we are creating value. At some way down the line, we're going to get our paycheck. <laughs> big paycheck. But first, we got to hustle. That's why the name of the podcast, Health Tech Hustle. It's all uh-huh. about the journey, right? You got to trust the process and enjoy the journey. And you so, that. what sort of advice would you give to other, um, whether they're physician entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. technologist entrepreneurs trying to get into healthcare? What sort of advice would you give them? Oh, my God, it's so long. I mean, where should I start? <laughs> uh, hey, you got to get my book. Read my book on Amazon. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll just give you a lot of below. <laughs> exactly. I believe the number one thing is you got to invest in creating a proper growth mindset. You know, the ability to open your mind to some other possibility. Your actions have consequences and has value. And of course, you should get a mentor, preferably someone of that industry. If you can find another physician entrepreneur, amazing. But the best thing is just find any mentor, someone who's been on that path, who has failed and is willing to teach you. So you got to be ready to be taught and you got to find a teacher. Mm. And if most likely those mentors have a small inner circle of like high value individuals, join them. They'll just keep bringing you up. Absolutely. I, I guarantee. And whatever industry you're trying to disrupt, you know, that's a big trend. You have to be there for at least five to eight years. I mean, you got to be an expert of that industry, either in the medical field or the biomedical field or the biotechnology field. You have to have at least eight years of experience because you got to know the entire cycle of interactions, communication, internal politics. Because remember, I told you, you got to know the pain of your customer. How will you know that if you've never been in that industry? And from a practical point of view, I think this is the easiest thing to do, especially nowadays because of the lockdown, learn digital marketing. It's so important. I mean, you got to learn how to professionally brand yourself on social media. And like I said, public speaking, you know, talking to people you've never met, either one is to one or one is to many. You got to learn how to communicate your values. Of course, back in the day, I used to attend a lot of events, you know, business events, startup events. Some were free, but I got the best value from the paid ones. But from a mental perspective, you need to be obsessed with the inequality of your population. Why are they suffering? Why is this pain affecting them? Mm. You know, you, that's like practical empathy. And you got to find a solution. I mean, don't, I mean, you can obsess with the problem to an extent. Then you got to find out, okay, what would the solution look like? How, how can it be built? Will it be an app? Will it be a product? Will it be a service? Will it be a, even a teaching material? Just make something functional and just set it out to the market. I mean, remember, I mean, the, you said the same thing. You got to plan briefly, execute immediately. I mean, super immediately, get all that harsh market feedback, and then repeat, repeat the process again and again until you get that good fit, you know, the product market fit. It's a process. Just go for it. Scientific, scientific method, really, just having the hypothesis mm-hmm. and then just testing it right. over and over until you can prove whether it's true or false. That's evolution right there. Awesome. And so... Wow, that was some very deep insights, man. <laughs> so I want to pre- thank you for that advice. I appreciate it. Um, but That's I want to cool. 
end the podcast on a little more lighter note with the exercise mm-hmm. that I call the rapid fire round. So I'll ask awesome. you a couple cool, of questions cool. and you just give me whatever answer you comes up with. Okay. I'm all set. I'm all set. Question number one, what is your favorite mm-hmm. book of all time? I actually like Roald Dahl books. I mean, there's like a children's book. I know it sounds kind of kiddish, but he was a, he was really instrumental in my younger age when I first started speaking English or learning English. So any of the Roald Dahl books, I'm, I'm like, you know, if I find any, I'm going to read them all over again. The BFG. They made that. BFG, in- then uh, SEO <laughs> Trot, uh, the, the Enormous Crocodile. <laughs> awesome. And so For people who, my age, they would probably know. <laughs> who is the most influential person in your life and career? From a life perspective, I would say my uh, my late father. You know, he, he was like a you know, close friend of mine. He left a really strong impression on me. Career perspective, of course, I want to give a shout out to my business mentor, Mr. Hemi Hussain. He's from Australia. So he was really instrumental in helping me get that growth mindset. Shout out, Mr. Hussain. Um, mm-hmm. What is one goal that you want to accomplish this year? Traction. I need more users, Rodney. Now more than ever, I need more doctors on board. I need more patients. You know, I got to get that critical mass going right now. That's what I want. Got you. And last one, what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? (laughs) 20-year-old self? Oh, my God. That's like a decade and a half ago. I just showed you my age. Probably most important thing, I mean, from a doctor's point of view, you got to lose weight, man. I mean, I'm overweight right now, and it's like really a big obstacle in my own healthcare. If I lost weight back when I'm in my 20s, I would have been more energetic and more, uh, what do you call it, uh, robust, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing is stop hanging out with losers. Really, I mean, it starts then. It starts at the age of 15, 20. If you don't get a high-functioning group of friends, it's very hard to leave that uh, loser mentality because you got to be strong with people who respect you because that respect will go to others, you know? Like I... I actually regret not giving my father the respect he deserved. And now he's not here. So I believe whoever's listening or watching this, change yourself before you change any industry. Disrupt yourself. <laughs> awesome. Starts from within. Surround yes. People, surround yourself with people you want to become like. Awesome. So I think that's a great way to actually end the podcast. Uh, Dr. Ishmael, I really want to thank you for jumping on and just talking about... Thank you the importance of just being knowledgeable in the healthcare industry and having that growth mindset to really become a leader if you really want to disrupt the market and disrupt this whole community and just how you went about your strategy, your team, the tools that you put together to conceptualize an idea, turn it into a product, a platform, and offer your solution out to the world and just understanding your thought process and the mindset that you need to have in order to go on this journey. It's really insightful. It's very valuable for me. I definitely learned a lot. So I just want to say thank you for hopping on. Thank you, Rodney. It's, it's a great pleasure on my end as well. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really great to create such an impact to people. And uh, I, I want to thank you again for this communication platform. I mean, you know, coronavirus has disrupted so much in business and in life. But I believe this podcast and this webinar or even any other channel that you want to use, I say go for it. There are many people like us, actually. There are a lot of physician entrepreneurs out there. And I'm glad I met you. Awesome. Likewise. Um, so last thing before we go, is there anything that you want to share your website, social media? Where can people find you and learn more about Vials? Well, my Facebook kind of cramped right now. I get like 5,000 friends every day. 
And awesome. I knock off 100 and another 100 come in. <laughs> yeah, celebrity hashtag. Um, I think the best way is you can read my book. I think that's more important. You know what I'm saying? That, that'll have a, a direct link with my mindset, I believe. So I think uh, maybe if I can just type down here and you can like type it in somewhere. Yeah, I'll leave a oh. link in the show notes when I post it. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. So cool. you can have a look at that later on. Yeah. Basically, I'll just tell you guys, uh, just go to viosapp.com forward slash free book, dot com free book and help yourself to my, uh, you know, my, my mind, literally my awesome. mind written on a piece of book on a book. Awesome. That's the best thing. All right. Well, oh, nice just Google me, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Google. It's how you find yeah. everybody. There you go. If I'm not on page one, I'm not doing it well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes today's episode. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Health Tech Hustle with Rodney Hu, founder of 209 Digital. Tune in next week for another interview with an expert leader in digital health.